Welcome to Pastoring Out Loud, a podcast from South Cities Church in Lakeville, Minnesota. Learn more at southcities.church. Well, as fall has fallen, along with some fresh fallen snow, you might say that creation has fallen, and therefore we aim to just bring light to this season of dreariness with some happy things. Like Christmas music. No, not that. That's it's pre- November 1st, Daniel. It's time. Nick, no. don't hijack this with your abominations. Mm. It's not Thanksgiving yet. <clears throat> to everything there is a time and a season. Well, You don't laugh at a funeral. All you I'll don't, say. You don't cry at a wedding. Well, maybe you cry at a wedding. Appropriate crying. And All I'll say is I'm, I'm putting up my tree on Christmas cry. music prior to Thanksgiving. I'm That's put, not what I was going to talk about. I'm putting about. up my tree on Friday. So let's talk about chopping down trees. And <laughs> it's other a fake tree. Like that. What, I mean, uh, chopping down trees, lumberjacky, uh, hey, axe throwing. Anybody ever done axe throwing? Anything like that? Have you ever axe thrown an axe? Have you ever nope. chopped down a tree, nope. Stacey? Nope. Have you ever thrown an axe or chopped down a tree, Dave? Yep. Have you chopped down a tree with an axe? Yes. Okay. Was it a big tree or a small tree? Medium tree. Not like, like two inches diameter. I don't know. No, no. Four. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Medium. It wasn't, <laughs> just, it wasn't a stimulus. big, big old tree, but it wasn't like a new tree either. All right. You know, it was, right. it was rotten out. It was in Iowa. Okay. You've throw, thrown axes too, just kind of like at a. I threw it at a couple, like, I think company. Oh, company. Back when I worked at Progressive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know you're putting up a tree, Nick, but have you ever chopped down a tree? Yeah, it's actually one of the Zuliger, kid, Zuliger kids' favorite stories about my childhood. Oh, is, <laughs> is, were uh, you like George Washington and you chopped no, down a cherry my, tree? No, my dad had a machete that he hid in his drawer from a missionary in Indonesia. And when I was about eight years old, <clears throat> I went in there and I took it and I went out back on our land and I chopped down a little pine tree oh. just for fun oh. with the machete from Indonesia. Just for fun. Okay. It's good. Yeah. You've thrown, a, you've thrown an axe before, done stuff like that? Yeah. I've done axe throwing several times. I've actually chopped down a bunch of trees when I worked at camp. Oh, okay. With axes, not with machetes from Indonesia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm chainsawing stuff. Uh, not really chopping it down with axes, but as needed. Well, uh, I think we're going to highlight over the next several episodes just things pertaining to the fall and winter season that are enjoyable. And we will entertain conversations about favorite Christmas music after Thanksgiving when it's appropriate. (laughs) When it's appropriate. (laughs) You might say that I'm going to make that an ordinance, a command. And today we're going to talk about two of Jesus's commands or ordinances, sometimes called sacraments. Dave, what are they? What are the actual ordinances or sacraments? Yes. The Lord's Supper and baptism. Are there more sacraments than that in other Christian uh, traditions? Sure. Yes. Such as passing out candy at Halloween, uh, <laughs> eating candy at Halloween, um, confession. That, is, it, is that one of the sacraments of the Catholic Church? Oh, in the Catholic Church? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Confession and absolution of sins. Yep. Sure. Uh, you just said other Christian traditions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah that's good. That's good. I mean, in a sense, we would say confession is like a sacrament now, right? It's a means of grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But so are like loads of things that we do. Uh, but yeah. not 
necessarily confession to a priest. Not confession to a priest. We <laughs> right. are. We do not believe that a yeah. priest is uniquely situated between anyone and God. We are believers in the priesthood of all believers. Just clarifying. Amen. Yeah, thank you. Yep. Appreciate that. Uh, we think the two that we see in scripture are baptism and the Lord's Supper. That is true. And that's where it says in Article 10 of the Congregational Affirmation of Faith, we believe the Lord Jesus Christ has committed two ordinances to the local church, baptism and the Lord's Supper. We believe that Christian baptism is the immersion of the believer in water into the name of the triune God. We believe that the Lord's Supper was instituted by Christ for commemoration of his death. We believe that these two ordinances should be observed and administered until the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Good. Uh, so Jesus has committed two ordinances to the local church. Baptism, the immersion of the believer in water in the name of the triune God. Is it not a baptism if it's not immersion? <laughs> um, there are differing opinions about that. What's yours? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because I want to know what you think, and this is a what conversation. What if you're in a desert? <clears throat> I mean, uh, uh, well, I wouldn't baptize someone with sand, Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, let's bury Dad in the sand. <laughs> You're baptized. I wouldn't do that. Nick, what's your opinion? Is baptism immersion? Normally. Yes. Then normally it is. Yes. Would we say that? Well, I would say that a baptism of a believer yep. by sprinkling could be valid. Yeah. Is valid, but irregular or not normal. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I'm thinking of uh, mm -hmm. like I worked at a, um, um, a kind of hospice care facility uh, in Michigan a number of years ago on a volunteer basis. And one time a person, you know, we're Baptists, we're all Baptists showing up, and a person who was really disabled, really unable to move mm. around, um, you know, wanted to be baptized. And there was no way that they could safely be immersed in water. Like that was just like, that would have like, it would have killed them. Um, and so the Baptists that we were, we... You know, in a, the triune name, uh, you know, they they, uh, they were baptized with sprinkling or pouring or something mm. to that effect. And uh, irregular, I would agree, but but valid. But the normal picture is that of <clears throat> burial and resurrection. Yep. Therefore, going under the water and coming mm. back up like we did a few and, weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and might as, might as well just say that not even all of the elders agree on that. No, they don't. So some of the elders are... Baptism is only immersion. Um, I think the three of us here, Stacey, I don't know where you're at on this, um, you know, but like the baptism could be valid as as long as it's a professing believer right. in the name of the triune God. Um, but uh, that immersion is the normal way, mm -hmm. but not the essential way that baptism takes place. Mm -hmm. Agree. Um, so that's baptism. Anything else you'd say about baptism for somebody that's baptized only in the name of, I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, but not the name of the father, son, and Holy spirit kind of like Matthew 28 depicts. Um, what would you say? Are they validly baptized? Do they need to be rebaptized? 
Can you repeat the question? Sorry. The question, the question is, if someone is baptized not into oh. the name of the triune God, but only into like uh, certain traditions, uh, including some heretical ones, like one oneness Pentecostalism will not baptize into the triune name. They'll just say, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I baptize you, mm. or something to that effect. Is that an invalid baptism if it's done not into the name of the triune God? I'd want to know more. If it was from a oneness tradition, okay, then so I would say it's what the per, the person baptizing, like, and <clears throat> what that's signifying is important to them, right? Yeah, so it's it's valid in as much as, but uh, if, let, if go if, ahead, well, I was gonna say if it's from a oneness tradition, I would say it's invalid. Yeah, if it's someone had their dad do it at a camp. And, and they he didn't forgot say those right words. Yeah, yeah. Like the if right he words. forgets to ask the questions, is it valid then still? <laughs> well, that's not included. I mean, in hypothetically. This, I mean, that's not included in this statement of faith, Stacy. But yes, that's a point well received and a little bit of salt on <laughs> Friendly open wound. Fire. You know what? No. We're ha- we're just happy for you that you were able to baptize Cademan and I, you probably were caught up in the moment. I was enjoying choking it. back some tears. Yes. yes, of course. Yes, mildly choking back I, tears. I, uh... <laughs> It just made me for the next two or three minutes think, do I ask the questions to cover and highlight or not his and if people him. will notice or do I just go for it and, ho- and let Nathan make the final decision if he calls us <laughs> out or not. So I went back and forth. Thanks and for thought, considering covering for me. I just, no. I just wasn't quite sure what was best. But yeah, yeah. What you did was best and what I did was worse. I, it was I great. chose what I chose based on what I knew the two young ladies would be expecting. And I chose yeah. what yeah. I chose based upon emotions in the moment. Thank you. Uh, you didn't choose. It was chosen it was... upon you. <laughs> God <laughs> is sovereign. Yeah. I, so I think the the sign and the thing it signifies need to be tied together yes. in the act of baptism or the act of communion, actually. So that if you're thinking that's what, what's being signified is something like you're washing away original sin, like in the Roman Catholic tradition. Like that is not something that we would agree and therefore we would say invalid baptism, mm-hmm. regardless of profession of faith or not. It's, it matters what's being talked about. Hmm. Or if you're baptizing only in the name of Jesus because you're a modalist. Yeah, because then- you're, you believe not, <laughs> yeah. that you don't believe that either Jesus is Lord like in some of the cult, or Jesus is God like in some of the cults, mm-hmm. or that Jesus is not a unique person. Now it also says, we believe the Lord's Supper was instituted by Christ for commemoration of his death, just like Paul's words at the end of 1 Corinthians 11. We believe that these two ordinances should be observed and administered until the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so will there be baptisms in the millennium, Nick? <laughs> will we celebrate the communion communion in the millennium? Oh, good. It was good. Uh <laughs> I'm going to say no. <laughs> okay. That's good. Why? <laughs> well, we're this is on. an intramural We're moving debate, on. Everyone. Uh, <laughs> come to the dark side, Nick. It's, it's happy over here. Um, so until the return of the Lord Jesus, when Jesus comes back, why will we not have baptisms and why will we not have communion? Because Jesus will be here. Yeah, and what everything that those things signify and point towards will be sight. Yeah, yeah death and resurrection mm-hmm. in Christ, feasting with Christ, will mm-hmm. actually be with Christ mm-hmm. 
bodily and spiritually. And mm-hmm. therefore the need for those things will pass away. Like I think possibly other things. Mm-hmm. Like marriage. just marriage. Well, marriage, the word of God preached and exposited perhaps when like the very word of God in flesh is present. I think that's right. Like mm-hmm. I think that there's a, like the, I mean, not that there won't be an enjoyment of memories of it or the potential for still access to it or other things like that. But the, the necessity of it, in this age of hearing, as it were, will give way to the age of sight. Mm-hmm. And that will be the norm. Mm. Mm. That's the ordinances. Why don't we call them the sacraments? Some of us document. do. What? Some of us What's do. What's the difference between sacrament and ordinance? Well, ordinance just means command. Sacrament means mm. means of grace or pathway of grace. Mm. I do think there are pathways of grace. So do the vast majority of Protestants. However, oh. some would caution against grace. using the word sacrament because it yeah. conjures up meanings from other traditions such yes. as the Catholic so like, Church. You know, the if you believe that a means of grace is a means of grace for your sanctification, your progression in becoming more like Christ, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. Mm-hmm. It's when justification Right, right grace, standing yeah. with mm-hmm. God yeah. mm-hmm. is conflated with, I have a right standing with God because I approach the altar. I take the body and blood of Christ. I was baptized at age whatever. That's why I have a right standing with God. It's implicit that in like Roman Catholic theology that doubt accompanied the believer and it's presumptuous to have assurance. Whereas for us, we would say assurance is really a critical part mm-hmm. of faith in Christ. And then you can have other things, you know, also providing assurance like, look, I'm real. I really do love God. I really do love others. Yes, I mm-hmm. approach the throne boldly. Yes, I partake in these means of grace, not as the grounds of my right standing with God, but as additional evidences or additional helps for me to clearly see that I do belong to God. Yeah. So number 11, religious liberty. Stacy's favorite article. Right, Stacy? You're all I, about I never said that. No, where the spirit of the Lord but is. But I do like the first part of it. Up. Oh, which is We believe that every human being has direct relations with God. Yeah. So that goes along with what yeah. you were just saying. We yeah. don't need a priest or a priesthood of believers, but no. it's also it's also that unbelievers have direct relations with God in a sense. They can cry out to God. Read yep. the article first. Yeah. Go ahead, Nick. I asked you. <laughs> we believe that every human being, look at me submitting to Nick. We believe that every human being has direct relations with God and is responsible to God alone in all matters of faith. That each church is independent and must be free from ecclesiastical interference by any other ecclesiastical or political authority as defined by scripture, that therefore church and state must be kept separate as having different functions, each fulfilling its God-given duties free from dictation or patronage of the other. Amen. Hallelujah. Your, uh, your favorite part is the first part. We believe that every human being has direct relations with God. Why is that significant? Why is that important? So that you can go directly to God? Without the intermediary of like a priest, right? 
even <laughs> though there's a sense in which like the church carries the gospel as a whole and therefore that introduction to God or to a personal saving relationship with God will come through others who have that. Mm-hmm. But yet at any time, you know, God hears the prayers of unbelievers, you know, his response is dependent upon whether or not there's faith in the person. Uh, They're responsible to God alone in all matters of faith. It's ultimate responsibility before God for my soul is my responsibility, not someone else's. That means that ultimately who's responsible for my kid's soul? They are. Who's ultimately responsible for my spouse's soul? They are. She is. Like, not, uh, you know, some kind of mitigated thing where anyone stands between um, anyone else in their relationship with God. That each church is independent and must be free from ecclesiastical interference by any other ecclesiastical or political authority as defined by Scripture. Dave, what's that? Uh, We think that the church, the local church, should get to operate and govern themselves uh, the way the Bible says that we're able to govern ourselves without needing to uh, submit to the government in ways that would interfere with our worship or, you know, any other... Yeah, any other realm that belongs to the church, worship, discipleship, right, et cetera, et cetera, membership. Yep, yep. yep. Yeah, the ultimate, again, responsibility for each church and the way they operate is at each church. Yep. And we're going to get to this next week on church cooperation. Churches are free to associate or in yep. certain ways, not ultimate ways, but certain ways, um, delegate authority or seek accountability structures right. with outside things. Would churches in different contexts also have an article like this or is it particularly particularly American? American? Um, I think the need for it is particularly American, but I think the concept is actually like part of any church in any place. Um, So I think it goes on here uh, and says uh, the, therefore church and state must be kept separate as having different functions, each fulfilling its God given duties free from dictation or patronage of the other. So that if Dave from the pulpit says something, you know, that is just outside his realm of authority, you know, and says, hey, church, go do this. I'm binding your conscience to go do this. That is outside what he's allowed to do. And if it interferes in what the state is called to do, the state has the responsibility to respond. Or if the state does something like redefine uh, something that God has said, like marriage, that we have a responsibility as a church to speak out yep. and to say something about that. So this is not like what is sometimes thought of as like pure, like broken separation of church and state, but they have different responsibilities and roles yep. and the church must faithfully do theirs, their role. The state must do their role, sometimes called, uh, heard it talked about this way, like the, the church carries the power of the keys of the kingdom to appropriately label what belongs to God, what is not God's, et cetera, or really to say, like, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And 
the state has the responsibility, the power of the sword to rightly punish what is evil and reward what is good. Yep. And so that's why we say as defined by scripture, because there are senses in which the church does need to submit to the authority of the state. Yeah. Yeah. As defined by scripture. As defined Mm -hmm. by scripture. You know, exactly. so we want to say both. Any other things about Stacy's favorite article? I don't know why you keep saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There's freedom. It's a little ironic. Free from dictation or patronage of the other. What does that mean? Dictation, you know, commanding, but patronage, what does that mean in this context? Uh, I mean, ultimate allegiance, maybe? Yeah, or, or like, uh, so to take patronage from something is, yeah, to have uh, a kind of, uh, if you have a patron, you know, and you're a business owner, somebody comes and they utilize your business for whatever purpose you have it set up as. It's a it's one of um, buyer-seller or perhaps uh, employer-employee mm-hmm. is also the way that it can be utilized. And we're not, we're not positing that one is more ultimate than the other. They have different roles in God's created world um, with the church ultimately pointing past, I think, uh, itself to an ideal model community that will someday encompass the earth in the new heavens and new earth. Any other takers? Anything else you'd say? I think that's good. I'm glad you agree. <laughs> That's Article 11, Religious Liberty. Next week, we're back with church cooperation and the last things. And then we'll be done with the last things. Thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm.